Hey, what's up, beautiful souls? Chad Hafler here with my brothers Eric Dixon and Jeremy Duncan, and we are Lights at the Roundtable. In this podcast, we're going to discuss a wide variety of things, ranging from spirituality and the metaphysics of reality to the psychological struggles that we face on a daily basis. So, we hope you enjoy. We're grateful you're here, and welcome to the Roundtable. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. That's I didn't do it. <laughs> yes, you did. You, just, you said it. I'm the bridge. I'll be the bridge. There you go. Cool. You're something. So. Let's go. Let's start this shit. Hey, what's up, beautiful souls? Chad Hafler here with my brothers Eric Dixon oh. and Jeremy Duncan. What's up? Coming to you from the round table, another episode of Lights at the Round Table. And this one is going to be a good one. I'm really excited for this one. I'm excited to hear what you have to say, man. Oh, man. This is a huge topic for me and uh, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, and sure. as well as you guys. So today we're going to talk about conscious parenting or parenting in general um, and our experiences both being parented and being parents for Jeremy and I and, and Dixon in the near future. That's right. And this is going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. We're talking about guiding your children rather than dictating their reality and um, just basically honoring their path. So fellas, what's up? How was your guys' day? It was great, man. It was uh, it was a tremendous day got back to work today uh not back to reality but back to work yeah because reality is every day rabbit yeah <laughs> reality reality is every day um yeah i got back to work today after a beautiful trip with my wife up to red river gorge uh riding off that wave yeah how was your trip dude amazing i know you i'm text doesn't do it justice so tell us no no, no no it was amazing so um we went to red river gorge yeah. for a couple days Went Monday, left about 8.30 in the morning, got on the trails by 11. It was snowing. Uh, it looked like, dude, it looked straight like Narnia. Yeah. And remember when we went in the summer? Fuck yeah. It was so hot. Yeah. And <laughs> there, was, there was so many people there, right. um, which to, you know, to be expected, it's a, it's a beautiful monument and just a wonderful place to go, man. And... So it was uh, a winter wonderland, um, but this time there was nobody there. There was only one car when we pulled in the parking lot. Oh. Yeah, man. <laughs> we parked right in front. It felt like we were doing something wrong. There was nobody there. You know, like it was dead silent. Dude, that would be so funny. I, I tried to emphasize that. Like, Dude, the snow are like a snowy landscape already like silences things man with the precipitation and just the heaviness of the snow and i this, love it yeah me too and um and you know kayla in her post today was like uh you know i was i was worried that the the, the snow was gonna you know create some problems for us and just kind of kind of not make it as fun but that snow ended up being the best part of it dude fuck yeah it was amazing we you know we geared up right like we planned our you route bundled up. yeah you know me yeah. I stay bundled. Yeah, even when it's hot. Absolutely. <laughs> Ten shirts deep, son. <laughs> Not going without. 
So uh, we layered up proper, man. And uh, we were out there just enjoying the snow, dude, and just and just talking about life, man. Yeah. It was one of the deepest conversations we've ever had, actually. That's saying a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. We talked a lot about... Um, man, we talked a lot about uh, just who we used to be and how yeah. far how far we've come uh, as and individuals or as a couple both both yeah so. as individuals um definitely because for me which kind of ties into this conversation and what i kind of talked about in my facebook video today was we talked about um you know parenting and in the relationship that my dad and i had a few a few years back when mm-hmm. kayla and i met and how far i have come from something like that because I don't, sometimes I don't really remember how things were because I do live for today and I think I've gotten past that, but it's also good to see how far you've come. Yeah, man. And there was a point where my dad and I, our relationship was, was severed and uh, over an event and it took a while for us to talk again. And there was a point where I really couldn't even mention his name uh or or anything or have someone else mention his name where it didn't like upset me or rub me the wrong way or really what that meant was i was not ready to deal with whatever happened right so you know we talked about that and she was like do you you remember how far you've come and i was like yeah you know so that was good um we talked about how far we've come as a as a couple and just making sure we take time for ourselves making sure we we love each other and um chilling in the treehouse man chilling treehouse cabin dude that should look sweet the treehouse cabin was awesome man so that was a surprise yeah kayla all her found the treehouse cabin so accidentally i saw the surprise on the gps oh shit yeah (laughs) did it say treehouse cabin it did damn yeah god (laughs) it did but it didn't it didn't ruin the surprise man it was so it was so nice um yeah, because you still didn't know what it looked like. Didn't know what it looked like. Had no clue. Didn't know where it was. So we we still did the traditional surprise and yeah. uh, got some pictures of that. Put those on Facebook. So it was nice, man. Um, the treehouse cabin was literally in a tree. Um, we had to walk up the stairs to get to the tree. I mean, it was so simple and so bare and so needed right. that it was perfect. Yeah. We walked in. We were like, all right, let's turn the heat on. Right. No heat. Man. Better start a fire. Yeah. Well, it was, <laughs> there was a little space heater that plugged into the wall. Oh, really? Yeah. And then we had one of these like 1950 looking like iron like heaters that, that plugs radiators. into the wall. Like a, Yeah. Like a radiator. And yeah. it, it like barely makes a buzz when you turn it on. So yeah. you can't. You can't know if there's anything going on. You're like, is this is this heating? <laughs> <laughs> you can feel it, you know. Yeah. Um, You know, no TV. Like, so... It, so a big lesson that I learned on this is like, even though like we have a TV and we not necessarily control, but mitigate what we watch and things like that, dude, not having a TV was huge. There's no choice. Right. There's, there's literally no choice. There's no cell connection. There's no internet. There's no nothing. Can't distract yourself. Either there's no distractions. It. It was awesome because yeah. I literally had to like succumb and like admit to myself like, hey, man, <laughs> uh, hey, you're in it. Hey, hey, you're in it. And plus you not in a bad way, but you thought you had control over this. 
like over your digital, uh, not obsession, but habits, my but digital you habits. You found yeah. yourself missing it. Your a attachment. Bit. Had to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But also I was like, okay, but you know, to, to take it away was like the lesson for me. I was like, okay, all right, well that now I see what happens. Even it's, it's, I think I can control it, but even then it's, it's still there. Right. And it's still, it's like part of the habit. So it became very conscious cause it was, it was taken away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it was, go ahead, brother. No, it was, it was, it was interesting. So, um, we played board games and, uh, that, that was fun. Yeah, man. It was, it was just a wonderful time. The, uh, another big lesson was, um, you know, we had gotten to a point on that mountain, like where we were so high, like there was no, like there was nobody else around. We, we had connected more than we had ever connected. We were in the middle of a winter wonderland. We had to come down at some point yeah, physically and metaphorically, right. you know, and like on the last hike back, like you could feel that. Like we were like, this sucks. Like you don't want it to end. You didn't want it to end. Yeah. Right. And we were tired and we were, you know, cold shoes were wet. Like all these things, each step as we kept going, like, and I knew because I was thinking it, I knew she was thinking that too. When we got back, I was like, embrace the suck. Yeah. Like, I know, <laughs> like I know what we were thinking on that, on that trip back. And, you know, I, I, uh, when we were walking back, I, I grabbed her hand. And even though like none of us, like neither of us talked the whole way, even though we talked the entire time before that, we didn't talk the almost the whole way back, but we did hold each other's hands and, and walk each other back to the car. So that was cool. So embrace the suck. And I, I consciously told myself to smile through it and, and grab her hand. And when you go through some cool shit like that, it's going to end. Yeah. But it, it, it went to the on next to the adventure. Next. Yeah. Right, on to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was, it was a tremendous trip. I would recommend it to everybody. Let me know if you need details. Like, this is what we want to do. We want to help people get away. Eventually, one day, we'll have our own sanctuary, retreat, whatever you want to call it, where you can get away, and you can just keep the distractions away from whatever you're doing. We want to, we want to have a place where people can come and... Um, disconnect, but reconnect to themselves. Yeah. Let me know if you need any details. My wife and I, we've been on a lot of trips. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. You know what struck me was um, when you were describing the cabin, it, what popped into my head was the similarities, but the drastic differences of the hospital. Like no zero distractions, how therapeutic that was for you. Ah, dude. And like the correlation of having no distractions and being in a hospital and yeah. having no distractions of being in a paradise with your wifey. Huge, bro. That is, Isn't that cool? That's amazing, man. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. Therapy, baby. That's one of the biggest things that I can uh, attribute to the Lindner Center as well. Yeah. Um, no distractions. And now you're finding it again through positive things. Yeah. Not that that was negative. But. Right. The people would say, like, we can't have our phones. Even I. Like, when I went to the Lindner mm-hmm. Center, I was like, I can't have my phone. Yeah. I... I smoked cigarettes then. I couldn't smoke there. They took that away. All right. Um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Took me off medication for the better, but. Right. You know, so all these things that you do. So, wow. Hell yeah, man. How was yours? I had a great day. Yeah? Yeah, man. What'd you do today? 
I played basketball for like three hours right. at work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough job. <laughs> so mentoring these, these youth that come through the juvenile courts in the detention center, I get the privilege of hanging out with them most of the day. So we got some inner city kids that like to play basketball and that is right up my alley. Yeah, and they can't stand playing Mr. <laughs> Hafler. Old ass white boy. <laughs> they fucking hate it because they can't beat me. But yeah, it was a good day, man. We had a lot of fun. Dude, I uh, I used to do some, um, uh, I won't call it a security guard, but I worked at the um, CCC, the Community Correctional Center out on yeah. 63 in Lebanon. And so there was a basketball court there and we got to play with them a lot as well, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, a lot of connection. Yeah. A lot of life lessons that can be taught through sport there really is man whether it was ping pong or basketball or um you know whatever activities they could do they allowed us to 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 hang with them and interact so yeah you're right man it's a huge connection for sure man especially for me a lot of these kids are the safest place they've ever been is in the detention center you know Mm -hmm. and to hear their stories talking about carrying guns and shooting up houses and shit when they're 15 16 years old it's like what i could never dream of something like that you know and uh it's they don't even bat an eye at these stories and i'm like are you fucking serious yeah and it's like day after day they have a new story it's like holy shit but i've i've found sport and connecting with them on that plane um opens them up man get the energy moving and they just start spilling their life and have some beautiful moments not today but kids just breaking down crying talking about their life through playing sports with them and stuff and just connecting so yeah it was a good day nice jeremy how was your day brother it was good uh nothing special i was off you were off today that's special yeah no work time uh, with the kids yeah colton's homeschool was having some technical issues so oh shocks we didn't have to do shit for homeschools oh that's perfect but uh yeah nothing outside of that that sounds pretty special just getting no homeschool off of work bro sounds like a sunday had a uh business meeting with david today and yesterday and the day before feel good yeah Yeah. oh yeah that's what's up uh, dude it's gonna be an intriguing new thing yeah challenging Or just t- totally different venture? Totally different. Challenging yeah. in that regard, because right. it's going to be something completely new, but it's, I mean, it's sales, which I've done, right? and it's marketing, which I've done, and it's customer service, which I've done. Yeah. So it's just going to be putting all three of those together in a new new business is, is interesting, but... That's exciting. You get to pretty much create the book for the business, right? Well, David will. Yeah. Well, you and David. teach it all. Well, he's already created... Oh, he's okay. got some people that he's already creating with, but it's going to be beneficial to be getting in now. Right. As opposed to five years down the road. Right. When he's grown it to what I know he will grow it into, and he's a little bit more detached from it. So yeah. instead of learning from people that he's passed it down to, passed it down get to, it first, you know, yeah. eventually things get changed and people try Adapt, to manipulate yeah. it to something that they found works or they think works better. Right. So to get it directly from someone who we know has built a couple of million dollar businesses before and knows what the fuck he's doing Yeah. to actually be there guiding you through it all and giving you advice and teaching you everything that he knows is, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be big. Shout out to what, David. What will you, can you give details? Like what will you guys be, what will you be selling or customer servicing? So, I don't want to go in too much just because I don't know everything yet, but essentially this is the metaphor that I brought up to him today that it was the first thing that came to mind when I attended his meeting last night where he talked to 
like 40 different people that are all coming on board. So when Amazon first really blew up like 10 years ago and like really started getting big, you guys have since seen all the videos on Facebook where people are like, we'll teach you how to run your own Amazon store. Right, right. It's affiliate marketing, right? So we are going to bring our own marketing firm to a Asian company that is coming to America and they're essentially going to have an e-commerce market that's going to compete with Amazon. And it's being run by... I'm not, I don't even want to suggest that I know right. what country he's from, but by an Asian uh, gentleman who has already started several multi-billion dollar businesses. Sweet. So David believes in it very firmly. He's done his research. And the way David describes it to you, right, you're in the uh, fundamentals and the, the building you know, you're a foundation of the business. All right. And for him, that global sale number is between zero and 50 to 75 million. And right now, this company is right around 15 to 20. So once it starts ticking upwards and working towards a billion, you want to ride that momentum, that wave. That's where the millionaires were made that road with Amazon when they first started it. That's what he's hoping to catch with this company is to come in and take people who are willing to affiliate market with it to become hopefully millionaires, if not a couple hundred thousand dollars. And and then on top of that, because he is who he is and he's a friend of ours, he's going to be doing a little bit more maybe with me than he will with some people. Hopefully, maybe not. Hopefully he does it with everybody. If he has time, I just don't know how we will have time to do it with everyone, but he's also going to show me how he diversified his portfolio and how he gets his 10 to 12% return on all his Bitcoin and yeah, his yeah, stock yeah. market investments. Oh, and yeah. Diversify into some real estate, hopefully. And That's what's up, man. And then we'll be able to ride off residuals and I won't have to work anymore, essentially. There you go. That's the hope. That's Smarter. what's up. Nice, dude. If we can get there. I mean, I know. Dude, Bezos just stepped down. I know. That's a, Let's go. Fucking Let's time. go. The timing is going to be crazy. And then He's the glasses st- that he's been talking about. Right. Um, the What they have planned for that is going to be, it, I believe, and David believes, but after hearing him talk about it, like it's going to be the future. It's they The plan with these glasses, instead of doing like um, Apple and Google are doing with augmented reality, they're doing an entire virtual reality. Stores will be able to put their entire store online. You'll walk into a store, you pick out a pair of jeans, and it'll. Oh, you go look in front of the mirror. <laughs> you can see what the jeans look like on. Oh, boy. So, Dude, your oh. online shopping experience is about to become a realistic shopping experience where you never have to leave your house. Dude, that's oh, nuts. Boy. Dude, people are so fucking lazy already. Here we go. Oh, yeah. here we're going to talk about that with the... Pierce. Yeah. yeah. But they, uh, they showed a, um, <clears throat> a snippet of it through the video where like, somebody was looking at a watch and he held his arm out. And off to the side, you could scroll through different watch colors. Oh, no. That's like cool as fuck. It on cool. your wrist so you could see what it looked like. That is cool. But do you think COVID plays into this? Like, stay home. Fuck and, yes. Like, to, to make this corporate push and shift. Like, stay home. We'll bring everything to you. But Definitely don't, don't connect with people. No, it ain't hurting it. I That's mean, true. You know? <laughs> but it's part of why I feel so confident. I mean, I've seen those things with Amazon before. But Amazon is already there. And, you know, like David when he talked about it, you don't want to catch it at the plateau because then it's hard to really make your money because it's still all about, uh, putting in time, right. Instead of being able to have other people do the work for you, you have to put in a tremendous amount of time when it's reached that plateau. 
you want to catch it on the upswing and ride that momentum. Right. So with it being COVID and with, I mean, the opportunity for virtual reality e-commerce to be there, plus Bezos stepping down, plus being David, I mean, someone that we know and someone that I trust and someone that I know for a fact has built a couple of different million dollar businesses before like the timing of everything is just, it's too perfect. And then with everything that we want to do on top of that, and you know, I would love to be able to diversify and get into some kind of real estate and then be able to find a place where we can do our retreat. And, you know, I mean, it brings everything back full circle. Boom. Let's go. Where are we going? Into conscious parenting. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we're going. Let's go. Here we go. So, what does conscious parenting mean to you guys? When you hear that, what what comes to your mind? Anything? So I looked at I looked it up today because um, I didn't know what it what it meant before. Right? Can I go first then? Because I didn't look it up. Sure. Just to see. Yeah, sure, man. So for me, essentially, just as soon as I think about consciousness and conscious parenting, it's just awareness for me. Yeah. Like that's pretty much all it boils down to is the awareness of what your children are into, what they like, the nurturing of that, the awareness of what it takes to nurture that. I mean, it's just a a full circle awareness and not inhibiting that growth. So it's not just being aware of how to nurture it and what they actually like, but also being aware of not inhibiting it, not what, not taking part in any behaviors or actions that are going to impede that yeah because children can easily be scared away from something they start immediately associating a certain action or feeling with pain or repercussion they'll just stop doing it and they'll retreat so for me it's just it's having that level of awareness yeah nice yeah Yeah. that That was good man i would like i would say on top of that um being aware that uh maybe a reaction to a child isn't something that your, your own self isn't handling instead of taking it out on the child. Um, maybe an issue that you have with your ego, um, that's upsetting you about yourself and you're trying to take it out through your child. Yeah. Um, consciously understanding that as well. Yeah. Mm. Dude, I think that's huge. Uh Yeah, for sure. Absolutely huge. Yeah. I love that. I I think you guys nailed it, man. For real. Just being aware of how you're parenting, what you're feeding your child through a television, through diet, through action, through example, you know. Do we have an actual definition? When you read about it, do you have like any memory of what it said? Dude, you pretty much outlined it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) He didn't read it. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the first thing I thought of when we started talking about it. And I was like, well, I don't want to do any research because I want seeing as, you know, I have kids like just to see where i'm at with it right you know like how what's my mindset about it is it right is it wrong yeah, I... yeah. so yeah you hit it you hit it right it's on the head of, i mean it's kind I'd of a bummer why why because i was kind of hoping it would be like part of it would be to learn something and to have <laughs> you just, just can't like, you just can't find fucking <laughs> you just can't find it can you do i mean i can that's that's awesome i think it's good god but, damn it yeah. jeremy it would have been nice you, to have... Hey, when like, you and David hit jackpot, yeah. you're like, man, this was cool, but not really <laughs> what I was got trying. a billion, bro. I could, I could have... I don't want a billion. Uh, yeah. Sure, buddy. Financial freedom. <laughs> that's all I want. What is that to you, though? We've already had this conversation. I know. I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, so... 
what really what really drove me to enjoy this topic and want to dive into this topic was um, just listening to older people bitch about the kids nowadays mm-hmm. and just talk down on these this new generation coming up or the new generations coming up what we forget is we're the ones teaching these fucking kids like hello Mm -hmm. totally deflecting all of our responsibility and putting all on the child like you said eric Mm -hmm. it's like the collective is unconsciously parenting these kids Mm -hmm. and go ahead no i was listening and i see it through the detention center man like I won't get into too much because yeah. I, there are some people I work with that listen to this, but it did adults shit on kids and it makes them, it's like they don't bat an eye because they're, they're powerless. Yeah. Absolutely powerless, man. And, and these kids don't get heard. They don't even get to speak in their own courts. Like their parents don't show up, but they don't get to say shit. It's just this court appointed guy that met them five minutes ago in their cell. Like it's, <laughs> it's hard for me not to dive too far into it and just start shredding at work. But man, what, what would you say then? Do you, um, do you consciously parent and how so? As so at, as most as I, as much as I can, yeah. as much as I'm aware of. Yeah. I mean, I tried to be conscious of how I live my life, but I mean, truth of the matter is we all get caught up and distracted from time to time. So, uh, and, and I'm not always happy. You know, so sure. when, when I am dealing with my ego, like you said, you're absolutely right, man. And I'm guilty, just as guilty as anybody. I get yeah. caught up in my ego and my stress or my fast paced day. And it's like, ah, leave, leave daddy alone. Yeah. You know, it, it's it been it's been a challenge for me with patience, man, especially yeah. with my son. <laughs> this little kid, I have a lot of energy, but holy shit, <laughs> I'm fucking paying for it. Whew. Cole gets on a roll. Dude. Dad, 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 dad. It's like, I got to breathe for him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He does a great job at that. You've definitely consciously taught him how to breathe. Yeah. I've been over at your house when it, when he is, you know, going nonstop. And, yeah. You know, you sit him. I mean, you don't sit him down. He actually makes the choice. You just say, Cole, breathe. He right. goes over to the rug, bro. Yeah. I watched him do it. Yeah. He goes over to the rug and he takes deep breaths. Yeah. How old is Cole again? I uh, just turned four in September. Yeah. This kid sits down yeah. and takes deep breaths. That's breath. the only fucking time he sits down. That's why I've had to teach him that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's such a conscious thing, man. You know? Thank you, brother. And it's uh, a lot of it's by example, man. It, a lot of it was um, just him seeing me doing it on a daily basis because mm-hmm. I sit in foam roll and mm-hmm. like when the family's watching TV, I focus on my body and I stay... I mean, I'm present in the moment with them, but I'm working on myself at the same time. And Cole just watches me foam roll and mm-hmm. he'll come and lay on my chest when I'm foam rolling. And um, so he'll sit down and do five deep belly breaths. It's yeah. cool. And he'll even do the oh. Yeah, he will. <laughs> oh, man, it's so cool. So <clears throat> for me, the que- to answer the question completely, I try my best to sure. consciously parent. Yeah. Um, and, and implementing practices like that for my child to slow him down and start to understand like, holy cow, I've got to breathe. You know, it doesn't affect him now because kids have an abundance of energy. Mm -hmm. So, but it'll be good carrying on into his um, older years, man. At four years old. Yeah. He knows how to breathe. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, he's he's very he's very intelligent, man. Mm-hmm. Very intelligent little boy. Yeah. Uh, one big thing that I want to uh, hold all you parents accountable, including myself, is making empty threats. Yeah. Oh, this is the number one way to lose your authority with your child. Not that you want to have an imposing authority over them, but if you make empty promises and you don't stick with them after they disregard what you said, they're like, well, shit, your words are empty. Empty. You know, mm-hmm. because it, it sounds good and great to be like, hey, you are going, you're going to go to bed if you do this again and look right at you and do it. And you're like, and you start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually me over there. But yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time with that. I imagine. Dude, Cole's a savage, man. Yes, he is. He's is a savage. I'm like, you want me to? You want me to take your your electronics? He's like, here you go. Like, <laughs> dude, you can't punish this kid. He just rolls with it. And it, as a parent, it's like, you little motherfucker. But then I sit back and I'm like, he's gonna be a dude. He's gonna be a fucking lead his own life. He's mm-hmm. gonna create his own life. Yeah. Like he he's gonna do what he wants. Deal with the repercussions. And and that's what I'm trying to consciously teach him that I've had to learn the hard way in my life. <laughs> I was going to say, where did we get that from? I don't know, man. I'm, I don't read directions, and I just kind of fucking put my head down and go. Uh, but it's it's brought a lot of life experience, man, and that's yes. what I'm going to try to teach them. Like, do dumb shit. Do do whatever you you are called to do within reason. You know, stay pure of heart. Don't You don't try to hurt people or, or do something shitty that will cause somebody a, a negative experience. And just have fun, man. Mm-hmm. Learn to deal with your repercussions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take the lesson and integrate. Yeah. I think life, what, I think we try to rob kids of life, man, by dictating what they do. Yeah. Based on how we feel of judgments and, and how we'll be viewed as parents. Like they have to do this, like maybe an example, like they have to go to college or they have to be this certain person. Or, yeah. 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 There's some, there's some parents out there that are hardcore about that it's a lot man and again it goes back to ego yeah it goes yeah it goes right back to the parents ego like we should be meeting these deadlines we my child should be doing this they should be doing this or i play this was a huge one for me with aubrey i played sports and did activities in school you should do activities and you know cheer she cheered most of her life until she got into middle school and was like i'm done i'm like what yeah the hell you are mm-hmm. <laughs> the hell you are you have to do activities yeah. i'm not gonna have a child what's your child do chills hangs out with me i don't you know what i'm saying at the time but it's not just it's not in a degree it's not fair because it's not just other parents and it's not worrying about that but now it's part of the acceptance criteria to get them into college yeah they want these kids to do extracurricular activities they want them to have life experience outside of just sitting in a classroom reading a textbook right so it's not just your own expectations or your own life experience or being worried about the judgment of others you have to do some things to help them prepare for life after high school because it doesn't just stop there so yeah it just starts there yeah okay (laughs) so you gotta walk that line i'm just getting started now Mm -hmm. i'm 35 don't necessarily want to dictate that you have to cheer or you have to play baseball or you have to play soccer but you should encourage to participate in right i mean uh, man, that's been my that's been my lesson, man. I don't. My daughter is happier not doing it, and that's I have to respect her. And, and what I want is her to cheer. She doesn't want to, so why should I make her do that? That's you encourage you know, anything else though, right? Do I encourage everything? I, I'm open. I say whatever you want to do, 
Let's do it. Yeah. So back to not dictating and forcing, but still encouraging. She should. Yeah, it actually broke my heart that she didn't cheer, man. I didn't miss a cheer uh, uh, a game or like a cheer competition ever. That's awesome, dude. I ne- I would I would go out there and do the dad toe touch competitions at the end of the, or at the halftime of the <laughs> the competition, man. Killing them, dude. I love that. That's shit. That's amazing. I fucking love. I love being a parent. Like it's like a little use. I don't know. It's cool. I imagine <laughs> it's cool, man. It's cool to have something and somebody that loves you so purely. No, like no matter how shitty you get in your life or what rock, rock bottom looks for you in your life, you never have somebody look at you like that, like a child does. Yeah. There's always that judgment, that program judgment from adults, but these kids are so pure, man. It's really beautiful. I talked to a coworker today about what we were going to talk about on the podcast. And she said, that's like, my child is like my greatest medicine. No matter, no matter what I'm going through in the day. Yeah. No matter, no matter. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of conscious parenting on that tip, one thing we need to be mindful of is not dumping and like vampiring their energy as medicine. Like, oh, their energy is so pure. Let me just dump my bags on this child and just soak up all their love. You know what I'm saying? Like those kids feel that they those kids feel your adult energy. They're more in tune than we are. So they're feeling the heavy emotions and the overwhelmingness that we may be dumping on them so just be mindful of that as well i'm not saying don't love on your child and use them to uplift you but so be mindful you, are you of the mindset that the younger they are the more they notice it as well oh yeah because that's why I babies are so sensitive because yeah, i definitely noticed it in both of my daughters not so much in colton but we weren't super close i mean he has a different dad so i yeah. don't know if that plays a role into it as well but yeah with both of my daughters if i had a bad day or I was feeling down about like, they're just so in tune with it. Like they knew right. like, automatically for sure, man. So absolutely. And that when you're a pure channel, you feel every little shift and that's what children are. They're, they're essentially unprogrammed. Like a little sponge, like a, like a computer, like an artificial intelligence, learning everything, just soaking everything. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. They hear everything. Yeah. And they repeat it. <laughs> yeah. They repeat it too, yeah. <laughs> it's cute when they're three and four, though. I mean, yeah. it's not going to make them a bad person because he says the F word every now and then. My, my four-year-old daughter's new favorite thing is wiener face. Yeah. Wiener face. That was one of my favorite words when I was a kid. So we'll hear them playing at night when we tell them to go to bed. And she'll come running in like, can we play on the floor? Like, just go to your room. Like, if you guys are quiet, like, how have you not learned this yet? Right. If you guys you don't just have to shut ask your me. door and you're quiet, we won't know what you're doing. Right. But then they'll start playing and they don't like to share. So she'll get up on her bed and just be like, you wiener face. Nice. Yeah. And we can hear it. <laughs> like, you realize your room's like right next to ours. We can hear everything. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. That's funny. Speaking of talking to people about <laughs> about what the program was going to be tonight uh, with Steve Howard and Janelle, shout out to you guys. Sending you, you guys love. I talked to Steve earlier this week. He needed some pep talk going into an important important business meeting that went really well for him. Nice. So super happy for you, Steve. Good job, brother. Yeah. And we knew you could do it. Uh, but he was. In the in talking to him, he brought up the fact that him and his wife listened to it, and 
um, they get upset with each other when one listens without the other. So I thought that was really cool, man. Super, ah, it, it feels so good to hear stuff like that. Like it refills your cup if you're lacking or it, it just keeps your cup overflowing if you're already feeling good, man. So shout out to you guys. Appreciate y'all listening, man. Yeah, and the real synchronistic beauty in it was, I haven't talked to Steve in a long time, and Steve is actually, he is one that drove me to the airport to go to Envision Festival because he had been to Envision before and he knew what I was getting into. And I had posted on Facebook like, hey, I need a a ride to the Columbus airport. And my my flight left at like 2 in the morning, so it had to be late. So I was hoping. Dude, he's he's like I'll, I'll pick you up at eleven. I was like, my man, and Bro. reconnected with Steve. I hadn't talked to him in probably fifteen years, but just out of the blue. That's amazing. Yeah, he was briefly in that men's group. Yeah, and uh, so <laughs> took me to the airport, and we talked about Envision and all the things that we had learned. And um, I, I've always liked Steve. Steve's always been a, a awesome dude in my book. I knew him in high school as well. But man cool synchronicity and um they're actually expecting a child wow so when i told him hey this week we're actually doing conscious parenting because he was telling that his first wife were pregnant uh his second her first so congratulations congratulations Congratulations. so yeah 13 weeks in and i was like no shit it's no coincidence that you call me and ask me about this uh um like pep talk Asked me for a pep talk, and then we talk about children, and we're doing conscious parenting. So there is the beautiful synchronicities had, of life. Uh, I had a friend reach out to me yesterday, Derek Kurtz. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah. name sounds familiar. Yeah, he, uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. We kind of check in with each other every once in a while. I probably talked to him a year, year and a half ago when I came while I was at my mom's, and uh, he listens. Yeah, yeah he that's what's he up. Man. Listens when he's in the car and. Anytime he's going anywhere or if he's uh What's up, Derek? Gym, so. what's, up, That's what's up, man? Man, I just feel like we should take this moment. We are so grateful for all of you Fuck guys yeah. that listen, man. Yeah. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know. Let us know what you think. Give us give us what you would like to hear about. Interact with us. We're all about connecting and, and creating dialogue. So on that note, talking to David today, there is a new platform that we should look at called clubhouse yeah apparently it's blowing up right now yeah there's a couple there's a few of them there's but a few it's, blowing up. it's all live yeah so we would literally do this live on clubhouse and then still continue to post just the audio to anchor like we do right and it's completely interactive and david said brooke gets on there and listens to several different podcasts oh, live yeah. and she just is going crazy for it right now so that people might cool. just kind of wander into our live broadcast for no reason right stick around if they hear something interesting and then interact with us raise their hand and you could be like yeah you have a question that'd be in the middle dude, of the that'd be show. pretty cool i'll be with that yeah i like the direct interaction figure out a way to set that up so yeah yeah we appreciate you man uh lots of lots of good feedback um jonna crane i always see her yeah she said she listens com- all the time commenting too. Um, I was like Jonna too. We partied yeah. in school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a good time. I remember a couple of parties parties at her dad's house over by the golf course. Yeah, yeah. They had a big ass house. Had a couple of wild parties there. Doug and uh, Rhonda Sturgeon. They listen a lot. Yeah, yeah. They listen to every episode. 
I know there's other people that I'm that I'm missing right now. Three wifeys. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Three wifeys, absolutely. Dude, it's it's cool when people come out of the woodworks though. Like yeah, like Derek. It sounds like and and Steve. Yeah, that's cool. You just hear somebody say like, "We'll get mad at each other." Like that's how my wife and I are with, with shows. TV shows, right? Like, dude, that's that what it's cool. yeah. to know that something that i'm a part of or that you know we're doing together to yes. have somebody feel that way about it like fuck you don't listen to that without me yeah. that's like, cool it's it's uh hey we, we love you it's guys a very humbling thing we have a like an awesome opportunity where they can interact with us and they can tell us like what they want to hear and yeah. it's not like a scripted show or yeah. whatever you want to hear like let us know and that way you could just be even more excited for the next time yeah because they're gonna be we're gonna be talking about your time. exactly sweet yeah yeah, yeah, man. Going back to um, the conscious parenting, though, one thing I I have just developed the awareness of conscious parenting. You know, I've always uh, growing my daughter growing up, I was just who I was, and I didn't consciously watch my actions and stuff, and it led to a lot of heartache in my daughter with um, the pressure that I created with how I carried myself and how I approached life and uh, my toxic suck it up you know, attitude that I had at that point that creates a lot of weight for a little girl, you know, and I've said it a million times, but, um, so being mindful of how you carry yourself as a parent and because words are powerful, but actions, you know, words don't hold a candle to action. Mm. And that's what we are unaware of as parents that, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Right. You know, and that's that way with a lot of authority in life. Yeah. Do as I say. Like you can look at our politicians, like yeah. these motherfuckers are making all kinds of rule and then getting caught breaking them the next day. It's like, what the fuck is going on? But I mean, it's all the way down every tier of life. That, that shit happens, you know, Yeah. in an unconscious society, at least, you know, that's part of being unconscious and not being mindful of how your energy and your actions are going to affect others. I guess emotional intelligence is what it what it really is. That's a that's a lost lost um, thing. You know, we focus so much on IQ and going to college and getting that degree. Um, going back to that, going to college and the expectations of society. Go to college and activities with Aubrey. The approach that I've taken with her is is just filling her with love and telling her to travel man like don't you don't have to go by society's timeline of when you should have a job when you should have a house when you should have a, a kid before you have all that shit get out and experience life so once you are able and you feel the calling to settle down and and find a place that you call home you have a lot more to choose from and you have a lot more that could potentially expand how you live that settled down life you know, if you enjoy culture and you enjoy uh, different aspects of, of cultures from all over the world, man, it can be super powerful. You know, it, it opens your heart and your mind to so much experience. So that's that's the approach I've taken with Aubrey. It's like get good grades now. And if you want to go to college, that door will be open. But that doesn't mean you have to go to college. Like yeah. if I were you, like I'm telling I'm telling you as a 35 year old man, if I were you getting through high school and doing it over again i would get out and travel and i would do odd jobs i would work in farmers markets and shit like that to get food and i would just travel the world i know that's kind of crazy right now at this time but she's only 14 so 
Yeah, no, and I think it's accurate. I think that not going to call, I mean, I did, but going down to Miami and knowing I wasn't going to be able to afford that, right? making that decision early enough to come back home and then eventually join the military and travel, like that experience was invaluable. Mm-hmm. And the amount of culture that you're exposed to and the amount of living and life experience that you get from that. Yeah. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that. No. Dude, it's expansion. If you always stay in your hometown, like I have a guy I work with. Uh, I really like the kid. Um, pure heart, you can tell. Thompson, what's up, brother? Um, but he said he had never really been out of his hometown. Because you, you can tell he's quiet. You can tell he he probably stayed at home a lot and hung out with his parents and his family. And, you know, yeah. nothing wrong with it. Right. Just different. Mm-hmm. Just more uh, a little secluded of... Uh, of life if you will and that just kind of blew me away like but you can tell you can tell when people are not cultured the the very linear thinking one track mind uh more conservative because we fear the unknown so if if all these other cultures and all these other different colors of skin are foreign to us that's an unknown so we fear that it's like a natural fear of something unlike you or something that's unknown i feel like that's probably man's greatest fear and well and it's not even a recognized fear i think so many people today have reached a level of comfort with learning from afar you know i mean we have the fucking world in our hands right. on a daily basis mm-hmm. you can literally access any information you want in the world and watch videos on how different cultures do everything you can read up on different cultures but it's not the same. It's not the same. That life experience that you get from being a part of it, witnessing it, diving into it, even if it's not for you and learning why it's not for you. Like, right. That the emotion that comes with it, the feels that you get of why it doesn't feel right. Like those things. That's teach a, still you. a lesson. Yeah. That's still a And they're a, a lot more valuable than the words that you might read on a website because that's that one person's interpretation of that moment for right. them. You're getting secondhand account. Yeah. So it's not a, a direct representation of the culture and, and how you'll feel immersed in it. You've got to go out and experience that yourself. Yeah. And I want to dive deeper into that exact thought is, that is the power of meditation too. You aren't reading somebody else's experience in life. And that goes outside of traveling. That goes for anything. If you're reading it or watching a video of someone talking about it, it's still a secondhand account filtered through another human psyche and a, a different being that's completely different place than you. Mm-hmm. So channeling information <clears throat> and meditation is essentially traveling, you know, I guess astral traveling, but just traveling into different sectors of information in, in this reality, man. It's really powerful. Yep. When you shut the distractions off and just sit down. Yeah. Travel. Travel. Travel through those like pathways of the mind. Yeah. Mingling through the mind. So yeah, young people, if if you're listening, travel, get out and experience. Don't be don't be scared to be poor. <laughs> it's not that bad. It doesn't even have to be foreign countries. You have so much shit that happens right here in America. Yeah. I mean, there's different cultures, east, west, north, south. It don't matter where you go. Right. Just find a place. Absolutely. It's absolutely true. So, yeah, I I tell Aubrey travel all the time. And then we talked about uh, doing uh, mission trips. This girl is an empath and just got the biggest heart. And she puts people before herself sometimes. That's where it kind of where it hems her up a little bit, but she's learning to to build those boundaries for herself, which has been beautiful to watch. But talk about doing mission trips. 
for churches and stuff and helping yep. whatever in whatever capacity. Yeah. So she seemed all about it. Just a it, like a free way to travel and experience and help and give back. Dude. So she asked about the mission trips or you it, it was just, encouraged the mission trips. It was just, so Aubrey is probably the person that I talk to the deepest with, mm-hmm. um, whether you think that's good or bad because she's a 14 year old girl. It's kind of the relationship that we have developed over her whole life. Now I've just been able to shift and retain my negative energy and, and just talk to her from a, a balanced place. So um, we always talk about life and what we want for life and what we see for life and our views on deeper topics like reincarnation and shit. Like we talk about on this. Mm-hmm. I talked to her and she's 14 about it. She's got, she blows my mind sometimes with some shit. It's like, Holy cow. Okay. I see you. I see you girl. She's gonna be smart. Her mom was smart. Her mom was really smart. Both my kids. moms so, are really smart. So did she mention the, the mission trips or did you encourage the mission trips? Both. Oh, both. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Because you said she seemed all about it, so I didn't know if that was like your suggestion or if she... It, it just kind of blended into the conversation. I got you. I don't really draw a distinction of where that particularly came up, but... I got you. Yeah, she was all about it, and I was all about it, and it was it was a cool conversation. I feel And, and it, it excited her. I saw her light up talking about it, so that's, that's always good, man, when you see your kids light up. She's a... Dude, she's the epitome of helper. Oh, dude, she's an angel, man. <laughs> For real. She really is. <laughs> she helped me a ton. I know that. Yeah. She helped me. She's she's been the trigger of uh, most of my growth, honestly. Yeah. If there's been one person in my reality that's triggered me the most, it's been what I've gone through with her. And um, I, I've kind of talked to her about talking about her situation on the podcast too, and she seems pretty open because one thing that kept coming to me is like. So not really your story to tell. Like, does she really want you airing out, you know, because not everybody's at that point because, sure. they're, you know, still battling the demons. Like I don't need extra eyes. Watch this battle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure, man. Um, but hearing her like, go ahead, like that's awesome, you know, and being intrigued of what I say about her situation. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully she listens to this, but um, <laughs> man, I'm so proud of her. And, uh, we sat through some really dark times with suicidal ideations. Um, talk about crumbling your foundation as a parent, man. <sighs> wow, man. I never had, that was rock bottom for me, man. Even, even with my dad dying and back surgery and, and all the shit that I faced in my life, seeing my daughter, like we checked her into a hospital, man, for two weeks because of her suicidal, suicidal ideations and, um, attempts. So scary, scary, man. You know, what was that like? I, you know, I, even myself, I would find myself looking at, uh, imagining a child and them being sick and having to leave them, you know, I imagine that's hard enough, but what about your situation? Like, how did that, how did that make you feel, man? Like I, I have to imagine that was incredibly hard, dude. Man, it it, cr- it crumbled me to a point, man. Yeah. I mean, there were there were times where I would just curl up in a fetal position and cry, like, yeah. "What have I done?" You know what? And you, as a father, I try to carry the weight of the world on the shoulders, anyways. Mm-hmm. So that world got it squashed me, man. It fucking squashed me. It came down on top of me. I could no longer support it. And uh, 
man, I just cried and I prayed, man, for a long time, for a very long time. And um, we, she's, she's a warrior, man. And I just held space for her and uh, told her that I was here for her. And, and she knew that. I didn't have to tell her. but It's good to hear, though. Yeah, it, it is. It is good to hear. And um, again, action, actually being there, you know, it was um, it was a very dark time. And then it kind of piggybacked. So we we got over that. And um, then she kind of had some some appearance issues like most teenage girls go through. Dude, um, how could you not these especially days? Especially with bro. social media, man. These kids are fucking brutal, man. Hiding behind a keyboard. You don't give two shits. And parents are failing these kids and not not teaching them morals. Like, you don't shit on people. Like, yeah, what the fuck just, is wrong with you, man? It's just, <laughs> it's so, you know, again, just like the filters is what I think about. Like, you can make yourself look like anything. These, dude, these girls are making themselves look like anything. It's stupid, man. It's you can't even, you can't even recognize them when, yeah. you know, when when they're off camera or whatever. It's, it's unbelievable, dude. And that's going to destroy do want to interject that should be i want to acknowledge the fact that there are plenty of parents out there trying to teach their kids to not shit on people and be keyboard warriors fucking bringing people down oh yeah for sure i don't some of it's peer pressure and some of it's just kids being fucking kids for sure there's i feel like there's a aubrey and i actually had this conversation too it's like a rite of passage yeah as a teenager it's like test your boundaries be an asshole see how it feels yeah you know some of it is just that personal growth. So, For sure. you know, we're not calling every parent a fucking terrible parent, but there no, are no, no. definitely parents out there and, who and, are plenty and, detached. And you know from what? It, but it, if that triggered a negative feeling in you, maybe you got some soul searching to do because yeah. I ain't talking to you if it doesn't apply to you. It's that simple with anything. If it's not you, then it shouldn't matter. So, so there's a tunnel in Red River Gorge called Not a Tunnel. NADA. Yeah. And I'm I didn't I wasn't like too familiar with the name. Yeah. And Kayla kept calling it not a tunnel. And I was like, well what the fuck is it? If it's not a tunnel, <laughs> it then a what it tunnel. is a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I thought of. <laughs> you were saying? Um yeah, I I don't uh I'm not picking back up where I where I was. Yeah. At least it's not a tunnel. It was definitely a tunnel that I missed. (laughs) Yep. So were you guys consciously parented? Man. That's a very loaded question. That is a, that's a loaded question. Um, No. I wouldn't say so. No. I'd say they they did the best they could, but uh, um, no. Yeah. No. I wasn't necessarily forced into a lot of stuff, but I think that they brought their baggage a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Like emotional baggage. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good point. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't so much of the forcing of you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Yeah. I mean, there was some of that. A lot of it pertained more to like getting a job and contributing to paying my car insurance or my car payment and having financial responsibility, which I don't blame them for. Like that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. I want my kids to have a job early and have that sense of responsibility. I don't want them to do it because I'm not fucking carrying everything that you have to, you know, I'm not going to pay for everything. You're not going to have a free road the the whole way through your life. I just want them to know that it takes work to achieve certain things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they can pay your $40 cell phone bill. 
Yeah, but the earlier the better, especially when it comes Why? to understanding how money works and credit and you know, setting them up for for that level of understanding that they don't get in schools for whatever reason. Yeah. The fact that we don't teach kids how the world actually operates <laughs> right. is fucking crazy to me. All we do is teach them history and then say, go out and figure out the present. That's on your why own. it repeats itself. Yeah. Like go figure <laughs> out the present on your own. We're not going to teach you any of that shit. We're just right. going to teach you history. But, um, but I think that that was kind of the only real imposing of anything. You know, they didn't care if I played what sport or whatever. Like my dad, wanted me to play a lot of sports but he didn't care the only one i ever really played was was baseball consistently so um and then when it came to to work like they didn't make me pay for anything except for my car yeah everything else they still paid for but it was you know they wanted me to go have a job to be responsible right so most of the you know not being conscious parents part i think was just you could feel their energy constantly and yeah. they, they weren't very aware of keeping that out of their kids' lives. And we haven't talked a lot about my dad, but we can't because that's not a story I, I can tell right. uh, that would have to come from somebody else. So, right. But that was, was hidden. You, know? and they, you could always sense that there was something not right, but right. never really knew. He was good at hiding it. He was a pathological liar and right. overall piece of shit. So, I mean, that energy did carry over. You could sense that and the way he treated my mom and a lot of how all that happened. So, no. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, my um, my parents, you know, took care of me as far as, like, financially all through high school, stuff like that. Uh, the deal I got was um, either sports, well, in high school, it was either sports or a job. Yeah. Which taught me a lot of lessons when I got out of high school. Yeah. Like I connected myself a lot to what I was in high school, which was like all star athlete. Right. In a high school world. Right. <laughs> you know? Get out of high school. Many society. Fuck. Got out of high school and then shit didn't know what happened. Um, yeah, it, it was took care of me when it came to that. So I always play I always played sports. So they weren't like they weren't like, You gotta do this. Right. You always wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I was just, I mean, from a very young age, they encouraged me to to do things. And I think it just so happened to be um, that I enjoyed sports. My very, I think my very first sport that I ever played was wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like four or five when I started. Yeah. It was a good one. But yeah, so they weren't, they weren't too directional. In high school, they let me do what I wanted to do. There was no curfew there was no um you know there was yeah no no opposition like that yeah they, they kind of let the the string go and if i got too far away um discipline was was had yeah yeah so that's that's how i was taught there there were no empty threats for sure (laughs) (laughs) i feel you brother there were no empty threats man um you think that's where a lot of current parents empty threats come from because i didn't have a lot of empty threats either my parents said they were gonna fucking do something they did it my dad was a belt person so i mean i got fucking spanked with a fucking belt and when he said he was gonna do it if i misbehaved he fucking did it yeah so now like you come from a place where you never want to do that to your kids but at the same time you think that Maybe if we just threaten it, they'll listen. You think that's where a lot of it comes from? 
I don't know. I don't yeah, know. the pendulum swinging too far the other way. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. A lot of people maybe just not being conscious of how they say things and what the words mean. Could be that. Um, could be anything, really. Could just be a cycle repeating. Could it speak to the fact that people in general are more about words than actions? I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like just a lack of action. Like, damn it. Damn it. Now I have to do what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Like, do you think that's metaphorical to most people's lives? Like, yeah, maybe not most, but a lot of people that like lazy people. Yeah. I think it could be a collection of all of it. Now I got to walk the walk or my child's never going to, he's going to call my bullshit. Mm -hmm. They should. Yeah. Should ask themselves that. (laughs) So I, you're going to say that. (laughs) I grew up, I, man, I, um, I pretty much have always done what the fuck I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't because my parents didn't care. It was like there was conflict between my mom and dad in parenting ways. Yeah. And my dad had adopted my brother and I. So there was like this invisible extra point that went to my mom because we are her biological kids. I got you. you. Yeah. And I was aware of that. Like it wasn't right because my dad adopted us and like he was my dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> Being aware of that, it's like always oh, awkward, but it always played in my favor. So I never was like, "Hey, this is fucked up." Sure. You know, you don't. <laughs> you're like, "Hey, you gave me extra points." Yeah. Um, but yeah, my mom was like the free spirit. You let him live his life and let the chips fall however they may fall. And Dad's like, "You got to reel him in." You yeah. you know. Yeah. When I'm skipping school and doing the dumb shit that I did, yeah. um, but. My mom always had that extra point, so I just did whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. I was home by curfew. That's how I kept that do whatever the fuck I wanted by being home on time. Yeah. Now, I, I fucking stumbled in the door every every single night because <laughs> yeah. I would save my lunch money and, and either buy a sack of weed or a 30-pack a of Natty Light and just get fucking shit-faced. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what we did on a nightly basis. Meet at Colony Square and Colony go, Square. go smoke blunts on, in Oregonia. Colony Square. <laughs> I mean that—that's when I stopped playing sports. Speaking of sports, like I played three sports my whole life until I got to high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the party, man. Plus, and I was going to go right. <laughs> yeah, I had curfew, but I didn't go out too much and do. I didn't go out. I we had a buddy Slavin. His parents let us chill in their basement, and do whatever See, the fuck we wanted. We would go to or B six and yeah. play poker a lot. And yeah. I mean, I'd go to parties, but it wasn't like I was coming home at curfew every night. It was yeah. mostly just the weekend. Yeah. Well, I could do whatever the fuck I wanted at Joe's house, so I'd, I pretty much lived over there. One, one day his mom <laughs> one day his mom was uh, in the kitchen, and I had asked Joe. I'm like, hey, man, I'm having a rough time at home with my parents. Like, We're not getting along. Can I crash here for a couple of days? And he's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, no, like, ask your parents. This is going to be like stay, overstaying like, <laughs> your welcome if you don't say something. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll talk to my mom. And this is like the third morning I've been there consecutively. I haven't left their house. And uh, sitting at the breakfast table, and she's like, are you ever going to go home? <laughs> I'm like, Joe didn't ask you if I could stay here. She's like, no, he didn't say anything to me. Wow. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> like... And, dude, she was a savage. She once asked me, she's like, do you ever look in the mirror and ask yourself what you're going to do to fuck up your life today? Wow. I was like, 
mic drop fucking savage Damn. thug life moment. It's yeah. like smack me right in the face at 17. I'm like, my, my own parents have never said some shit to me like that. You've, we used to call her Skeletor, though, so maybe I deserved it. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, man, that was one of my like slaps in the face because Joe and I had just gotten out of jail for fighting at a party uh, when we fought uh, Johnny Silcox and a couple other guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's when she asked you that. Yeah. I got she you. She was straight savage mode. It's like, I didn't tell your son to fight. We just hang out and happen to get in a fight together. But you were, <laughs> were you with him a lot when he would find himself in those kind of situations? Oh, yeah. So it was I just kind of. It was usually me being the little guy knowing I had big friends starting the shit, really. I was a yeah. Just her I was looking like a out for you the same as she was looking out for her own son then, right? Yeah. Right. Probably, but I don't think she liked me too much. What are you going to do to fuck up your life today? Like, or her blaming it on you. <laughs> Maybe not That's what it really was much. because I didn't hear her say shit to Joe. Like, you didn't even say shit to your own son. You're going to talk shit to me. That's all right, Skeletor. That's because my you. kid's an angel and you're <laughs> fucking everything up. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what Slavin used to tell me when we were in high school? I'm like, dude, what are you going to do? Like, talk to your buddies. Like, what are you going to do, man? It's getting crunch time. What are we going to do after school, after high school? He's like, dude, I'm just going to wait till my parents die and just live in this house forever. Wow. Like, <laughs> and like the time went on, I'm like, I think he's fucking serious. Mm-hmm. The fuck is he doing now? He, he's got kids and shit. He, he lives on his own in a new house. But <laughs> not there. But for the longest time, man, into our 20s, I thought he was serious. I'm like, this motherfucker. Because every time you'd ask him, he'd be like, I'm just going to live here. He's like, my parents are 60-something. Like, he start doing math and shit. I'm like, dude, you're fucked up. You're going to be 40 years old before they die. You know? <laughs> wow. Couldn't wait to get the fuck out. Dude, I moved out at 17. I moved in with my cousin. Her and I, she had an, a, a duplex, and her and her bo- boyfriend had broke up. Yeah. Or husband. I don't know what the fuck he was. Yeah. But I moved in and helped her with her kids and shit. And I was 17 and didn't live with my parents, so it was cool as fuck. Yeah. Super, super close with Tiffany. If you're listening, I love you, girly. Went to California right after high school, then moved back home with my mom, and then moved in with Watts in Middletown. Yeah. I bet that was a a fun time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Watts was always a riot. Yeah, he was. He was the first person I did shrooms with. Yeah. In my house. Yeah. We didn't leave. (laughs) And then like two weeks later. Don't need to. No, we didn't. But then like two weeks later, me, I don't remember if me, Tavidian, and Clabby were all there, but we all worked at the McDonald's in Lebanon together and we were getting fucking high on time. Watts came in on shrooms, driving around fucking town. He was tripping on shrooms. I remember that. He lived with me for a while. Senior year, him and Derek Smith. Because of problems at home or not just not wanting to be there and clashing with their parents or whatever. I always liked Derek. Derek was cool. Dude, his older sister is sexy. I hope you're listening. <laughs> Just kidding. I remember she was like four or five years older than us, and, yeah. I, and we played baseball together a couple of years. And yeah. She would come to the game. She was in high school. We were like middle school. And Andrea. I don't know her name. I don't remember. remember. Yeah. Oh, man. She was, she was beautiful. Yeah. She probably still is 40 years old. but Who knows? This is a pretty family. Yeah. yeah, they were uh, they were all kind of pretty. Yeah, you can say it, Jeremy. It's not gay. It's no, not I know. Gay. I was just <laughs> they were kind of. I was trying to think of a maybe a little less gay word. Gay word. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty, but but yeah, they were all attractive people. There you go. Yeah, like You're their so whole family. Manly. You're so manly. 
Hey, what what was the um what was the greatest moment with with your children? Oh fuck, that's a tough question, brother. Go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> Just say the first one. I don't have one yet. I mean, aside from them being born, like all of them, man, every minute and watching all these experiences, you get something different from all of it. So it's hard to just say that I have one greatest moment. Well, I didn't say you have one just greatest moment. Well, you said the greatest moment. It could be an ongoing moment. (laughs) Jeez, Um, dude. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, my daughter is in sports now. So like we talked about before, like her playing through injuries, not that that's a smart thing to do, but, you know, just the determination and seeing her want to be out there and be a part of the team and have that that kind of con- commitment and camaraderie to her teammates was was a big thing um her being as into art as she is and seeing how much of you comes through them especially since she's out of state yeah and like who her mother is yeah you know she's a completely different person and not to say she's not into art as much but it doesn't it doesn't really define any part of her is where I think it does for me. Uh, so seeing how much of that comes out and how excited she gets to paint and like she's wanted studios and all this stuff and the big desk with everything for presents and seeing how much, whether she's 100% genuinely into it or just into it because she knows that it's a part of who I am. Yeah. Like just to see her still acknowledge that yeah. is, is still a big thing. That's um, awesome. I mean, the having her tell me that she wants to come live with me is, is always huge. I mean, every time she says it, that's like one of the greatest moments. Yeah. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I mean, that'll kind of be up to her mom and how much of a fight she puts up for it and how far away we are. I think if we were ever to find our way down to Virginia and live down there where she could be a part of her everyday life, maybe absolutely. I think then she'd be a little more open to it. Yeah. If she had to come to Ohio and she had to spend four to six months away from her i don't think she'll i think she'll fight me to the death um i mean with the other two i mean anytime colton will actually tell me he loves me he's big just because you know God, that's I'm, awesome. I'm not his real father but uh oh, not his that. biological father we'll say that Shh, dude yeah i didn't know that yeah i didn't either yeah so since i'm not his biological father anytime that he feels close enough to you know have that bond that's big um wow. Anytime that he shows an interest in anything that I do with him not being my biological son makes me feel good. So How much do you show great. interest in what he does? It depends. I mean, I'm not as good at it as I should be. Yeah. I know that for sure. Um, but that's because a lot of what he's into is playing games on his tablet and stuff right now. He's he's not really into sports. He doesn't like to watch the football games with me. Uh, we'll play Xbox together sometimes or Switch. or yeah. uh, He likes board games, so we'll do that, especially as a family. But... I'm still kind of waiting for that one thing that, you know, we can really connect on right now. The biggest thing is, is video games, but he, I don't want him playing stuff like GTA and call of duty yet. So, right. so that most of the games that we can play are games that you play solo or they're just not very fun for me to play. So I, if right. I play them, it's, it's hard to really get into them and, and have that experience, but, but we'll do it occasionally. Um, what if the fun of doing it was the experience? And it is, yeah. it is, but I mean, it's not what you said. That's because it doesn't, it doesn't last. It doesn't stay that way. Yeah. Eventually the experience part of it just kind of dies off because it, I don't get into the video game. Yeah. It's hard to hold on to that mindset of it, I yeah. guess. And that's my, 
That's my issue, not his, but because right. he'll still play. He'll right. keep playing he right through it. When I'm he don't give a fuck. He don't care. But once I lose interest, it's hard for me to stay committed to it. Um, right. But I'm just kind of waiting for it. And I know that as he grows up and experiences more things and he gets more interest, it'll come. But, I mean, the biggest thing with Emma, I think the greatest moment I've had with Emma is when I was at WEC uh, as the executive chef for the first time in her life she cried when I left like she had cried before when Brittany left and didn't want Brittany to leave. And that was always like, like, fuck you. I'm here. Like, (laughs) why do you want to spend any time with me? And then, uh, when I had to do it one morning and Brittany was already either at school or work or something, she started to cry and I had to stay and be late to work. I was like, I can't, can't leave. But I mean, I still have them all the time with her. Like, uh, she came in and told us a dream that she was having one night. And I don't think she was really even fucking asleep, but just to see her imagination (laughs) run that wild was crazy. And she talked about like a wolf being in the house and stealing her stuff. And then it jumped out the window and got in the car and was driving my wife's car. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, where did you come up with all this stuff? But it was anything like that is a great moment when you're a parent. So it's, yeah. Uh, So just the ongoing moment of watching my daughter grow through her, um, her bat, her own battles with her mental health has been it has been the most profound thing in my life um just how directly it's affected me and watching your child go through that and see her come out on the other end like a fucking warrior man yeah, yeah dude like wonder woman man and still climbing so that's just watching her growth and you know growth to me is is not always being on top and being super overly happy but recognizing when the the dark thoughts and and the other voices are talking to you about you know getting sick or um this life sucks or or whatever those dark voices say to you just recognizing them and using your like a, de, a deploying your uh coping skills properly mm-hmm. you know that's that's so empowering and so powerful. Mm-hmm. You're using your tools. That's beautiful. So to see her use the tools that she's developed through therapy and uh, she's got a really amazing uh, therapist that she connects with and there she's all about energy work and chakras. And so it totally aligned with the family. Like she's got the chakras on her office wall. We walked in the first meeting. I'm like, yep. And Aubrey was like, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. so it's cool man so she's been really really fortunate to have a, a young lady that she can connect with and open up to and somebody that kind of bridges the world of medical science and energy work and understanding so it's been really beautiful man yeah and then with cole man just watching i actually had a really beautiful moment the other day after one of a very embarrassing moment he started soccer this week first oh, yeah first like organized activity yeah and man he's a savage when it comes to to winning mm-hmm. and dude this little boy took the ball from him and dude he was like you're made like crossed his arms and stormed off the field and started crying daddy took the ball from me i'm like oh let's go to the bathroom dude we got to regroup went in there i'm like you are here to have fun yeah you know you are here to have fun and that's what we're gonna do and mm-hmm. if you act like this again I, we're not coming back next week mm-hmm. until you learn how to act, you know? And, uh, dude went out there and, and did a wonderful job and we got done with practice. And I was like, now go tell Jacob, you're sorry for being mean or mm-hmm. calling him mean. 
And he walked right over there, stood square, sh- squared shoulders, looked at him. Like I could feel his empathy. He said, I'm sorry for calling you mean, Jacob. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Dude, my, my man. <laughs> you know, it's like, I wish you wouldn't have to do that, but the way you like wow. looked at him, yeah, it was like a watching a, the way you owned it. Yeah, man. It was, it was really powerful because kids are like high energy and like he knew he had did wrong and he knew he owed Jacob that um, apology yeah. because you don't call people names. What an awesome moment. It was cool, man. So um, just watching just watching him grow, like Jeremy said. I mean, it's just, you catch yourself in, in random moments like, holy shit. Sometimes the smallest ones, too. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's like, you man, you're fucking awesome. You're yeah. mine. And I mean, talking to you guys about the time on the boat where, you know, my daughter had almost drowned, didn't want to get back on the boat like that. Having that moment with her, even though it was a sad moment. Right. Like just for her to open up that way. Mm-hmm. Like you can find the, the greatness and the joy in those moments of yeah. just that growth and who they are and mm-hmm. the self-realization of their inner emotions and being able to vocalize that as they grow. Is, it's fucking just beautiful thing from... Yeah. From birth until probably fucking death, I imagine. Yeah. I mean. One, one thing, man, for parents, you should want your children to do better than you. Oh, yeah. And, and that's that way for any leadership position. But it's sad that I feel like I should say that because living vicariously through your kids and like people are jealous and envious. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody specific that's jealous of their children, but I'm sure it happens. Oh, yeah. You should want your your kids to do better than you. Yeah. You should want better for them. Yeah. Well, look at the fucking, I mean, this is a giant figure to call out and maybe I don't, I mean, obviously don't know all their bullshit, but look at all the public battling that went on between Eminem, Marshall Mathers and his bomb. Yeah. Now I, I would like to think, or I would imagine anyway, that there was some jealousy issues there of, he made it out of the spot that she grew up in and made something of himself and she wanted a part of it. Right. And that's why she tried to tear him down. I mean, I'm sure that there's more to it than that. Right. But I can't see jealousy not playing a small role in that. Right. So it definitely, it definitely happens. Yeah. You have a moment with your parents since you don't have children yet. Something that stands out as a particularly great moment to you or, or was a lot of it just growing up in the lessons and, you know, kind of, the exact same thing as we describe as parents. They supported me in in whatever venture I, I wanted to go in. Um, mine's really like an overall feeling. Um, I think that one of the greatest moments. I think one of the greatest moments for me was when my uh, when my parents made the decision to split up, like. That was, well, it wasn't a decision. My, you know, let me rephrase that. When my dad made the decision to, to leave and be with someone else, which is cool. We have a great relationship now, but it was one of the most life-changing moments for me in my entire life. Um, now, but did they handle it, in your opinion, correctly, at least for you? I mean, was it stable and safe at both places, or was there a lot of volatility at first? when the news came out and like the first couple of months that they were apart no there was no no peace at all matter of fact it was the exact opposite of that um so when um when it happened um 
I, I don't remember the exact story, um, but it it happened where my my uh, my dad had planned a trip uh, away, or they were moving him and his uh, his new girlfriend at the time, and my mom found out about it. My dad like came home and broke the news to her or something. Again, this part is very blurry. I'm not going to tell this story correctly. It's just a feeling. Um, so he came home and broke the news and I, uh, I met up, I think I met up with my sister and my mom that day. Uh, I was at work in Dayton and my mom called and she had told me what was going on and all this stuff. And, um, so I came home and I went to, uh, we were at BW3s. I met up with my mom, my sister, and they had asked me to, to go out to, um, to go out to the shop where the house was. Um, and they'd asked me to go out there cause there was reports of, you know, my dad was, uh, under the influence of alcohol and he had a gun out there. So kind of not sure what was going on. He had been drinking that morning. So, um, when, you know, when everything kind of broke out and this might be a span of a couple days, um, but that's, that's what happened. So I, I went to meet up with my mom and my sister, figure out what was going on. They asked me to go out there to check on my dad. And uh, I went out there to check on my dad and figure out what was going on and, um, and why he was leaving, you know, what, what, what the deal was. And, uh, you know, we, we had some words. He was, he was under the influence for sure. We had some words. We ended up actually physically fighting. And then he... Uh, I'm not sure if he remembers this fully or not, but uh, there there was threat of, of a gun. He went to the house to get it, and I got in my car. I made it to my car. I got in and, and just never looked back. Uh, when I did look back, um, he was there in the rear view, and I can only imagine what, uh, what, he, what he was in the driveway with. So... It wasn't peaceful. It's tough. Didn't didn't get handled very well, but it uh, it was a change. It was a it was a life changing moment for me. How was your mom through it all? Because I know when my parents split, my mom carried so much of that and tried to hold herself together so well that like it really surprised me to find out she was struggling when I found that news out. And she, she hid a lot of my dad's darkness from me for the longest time yeah. and still tried to encourage and let me have a relationship with him until I pretty much found out on my own after my firstborn came into the world. And I told him, like, look, we haven't talked in forever, but I would like my kid to know her grandfather. You're still alive. Like, she play a role in her life. And this piece of shit was just like, nope, not interested yeah, so like the way we split, um, might have been for the better. Oh yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, especially that's when my mom told me a lot of the stuff. So. Right. So I I I knew like what was going on. That was kind of just like the the breaking point of it all. I mean, I knew what was going on. I knew I could tell by the fighting. I could tell by just the relationship that they had. But you know, my mom. What I've learned from my mom is she's like she's the most loyal person that I've I've ever met. Um, because she still sticks with it today. She still thinks that he's uh, that he's gonna come back. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I know they still stay in contact. All right. Not for me to judge that, but um, 
Yeah. I, I know she carries the weight of the world on her shoulders. And uh, I wish and I hope and I pray and I did even the last couple of days that um, she can get past that and can uh, move on from that because it's been it's been heavy for her. She she went through a lot of shit, man. And even, you know, when um, her with her parents, her dad committed suicide when when I was five. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's just. It's been a rough way, uh, so she's carried that I think from from boat to boat, uh, rightfully so. So I generational think, trauma, man. Yeah, I think that um, the greatest lesson since I since I don't have kids at the moment, uh, you know, we're trying, um, but since I don't have kids at the moment, the greatest thing I can do at this point is be, is be the lesson for my parents and just break that cycle. You know, break break the cycle of um, unconscious, unconscious living. So I got a question that I want to ask you guys now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This just kind of hit me again. It hit me one morning when I was driving because we keep talking about generational trauma and things that get passed down. And as you change, you can change your DNA, right? So all three of my kids, well, I mean, Colton not even biologically being mine, I don't know what got passed down to him, but... My other two, knowing that I wasn't the person that I am today and that I wasn't consciously aware or awakening at all, almost does make me want to have another one. Do you think that just the fact that I could hit this point that it's already in the other two, you think that they could still find that same kind of, I mean, I know they could still find that same kind of path, but do you think that if I had another one being of the mindset that I am now, that the DNA that I passed down would lead to a completely different person than it would have. Are you a completely different person than you were? Not completely, but there's a lot that has changed. Yeah. That if it, if it does get passed down through my DNA and a part of my DNA is shifted along with me that, you know, maybe I do want to have another one then maybe it would be a part of them that isn't a part of my other two kids and seeing the differences in the kids. I mean, part of that is just the greatness and seeing the different personalities that they have, even though they have the same upbringing or, the same genetics from parents and seeing how different they are. Yeah. But Brittany wants to have another one and I don't. <laughs> so you're, because trying, we to find, have three. you're trying to find some yeses so, in like, that. Maybe there's some justification. Convince me guys. Convince me to have another Maybe one. she's not wrong. Like maybe there is a reason to, because of the change that, and it's not just me and Brittany's shifting in certain areas in her life too. So it would, well, yeah. the, the changes that we're going through as people with what we can pass down generationally, it literally could lead to a completely different, different i mean it will anyway because everybody's different but even beyond the scope of what would have been a different child what we could pass down could be completely different or do you think that just because it's already in me it's already in that it's not gonna i think that's exactly how evolution works but i don't think we i don't think we have i don't know that's tough i was just curious on the perspective of it because i was just i asked myself i was like i don't know that's a tough question because you're saying is are they I know they're completely different but do you think they'll be completely different yeah I mean I know <laughs> well I yeah I, I do think they'll be but, completely yeah. different um, as far as their genetic makeup and stuff I mean though you can upregulate and downregulate your genes based on your thoughts and stuff so I mean yeah I think the evolved you would create an evolved an evolved child for 
you know, yeah. having a child. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. You get better and better each time, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think those things can be activated through traumas and stuff in your life, too. So, I mean, they may carry exactly like you and then experience something that shifts them in a completely different direction. You know, it's still an aspect of you yeah, yeah. all being one, but different. Yeah, sure. I think I'm as you evolve, you have... I don't know if you can call them evolved kids, though, just because you're evolved. Like, no, you know I understand. Saying? Yeah. Just different, which they would have been even if you would have been the same But person, just saying, so. regardless of what that event is in your life, right? So say you have a kid before you experience a loss of a parent who commits suicide. Right. That same child could be completely different. Right. If they're born after that suicide and you've right. experienced that trauma. Yeah, on that reverse spectrum saying. of, you know, becoming more conscious and, yeah. you know, waking up a little bit. Right. I could have a different kid. There's a real more of the question I'm asking is you will have a different kid. I'm 100% guaranteed. You think they'll, have be, another di- one? they'll be different. It'll be different. No, I'm saying if you sure. do, it'll oh, be different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the safe bet here. Yeah. So a long time when, so my parents, my real dad, uh, left the picture early on. And, uh, one thing as far as parenting and, and how I viewed my parents, I, discovered later on in my life and i had always had this um kind of um power struggle with how i view women and uh it it came out you know to me in meditation that it was because i was blaming my mom for my dad leaving and i had always viewed her as pushing him away and like pushing him away from the family and now I'm stuck with just mom and my brother, you know, and I, I just always thought it was her fault. And then it kind of got concrete when her and my who I consider my dad got divorced. Right. When I was uh, I just turned 18 and they got divorced. So I was, you know, transitioning in my life. And they're my parents after 13 years, which I knew it, it was on the outs for 10 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was one of those relationships where they just grew separate directions and it just didn't work. Yeah. And my mom slept on the couch. I mean, for like almost a decade. Like, wow. You know, that's kind of a, like, hey, why don't you sleep with your husband? (laughs) So like seeing those things, I had just created this image of women because of how I viewed my mom through my own traumas and what I had experienced in my life, even though it was not her fault. Right. But as a child and as somebody that was impressionable, that's how I viewed my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've come to learn, you know, relationships fail for so many reasons. You can't blame one person. Yeah. Um, and so I've forgiven her and I've redeveloped my relationship with her and it's been so beautiful and, and so healing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the longest time, I subconsciously like, plus I always thought she had a victim mentality. She was always one of those people who like call to talk to you and it's not good shit. It's like all the shit that's going wrong in their life. It's like, oh, this is a heavy, I, I you don't want to have those conversations every time you interact with somebody or you yeah. just stop interacting with them. It's yeah. like, yeah. bro, at some point you got to learn a lesson and fucking move on, yeah. you know? And that's my lack of empathy. I think towards my mother as well. It's like, I think that's what is trying to balance me out. That's why I get it so much. Like, right. Hey, sometimes you are a victim to life. No, I don't agree with that. But yeah, I had this negative, um, unconscious view of my mom. I just never thought about why I had this aversion to my mother. She was always awesome and open and loving. And, but it was just that, like the victim card and thinking she pushed my dad's away. Like, eh, I don't know. 
Yeah. Life is good now, though, man. It's been uh, a lot of growing. And I think it's helped. It's actually all come to surface these last few years. And life is no coincidence. But I feel like a lot of my relationships and how I was in the past, I've had to sit with and do the shadow work of who I was and what I represented and what energy I brought to the world and, and into relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never really good at relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I, I but I always that. desired a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I enjoy being in a relationship, but I hadn't always been willing to put in the work to maintain a relationship. Sure. Because I always, like when I was a kid, I did whatever, I do whatever the fuck I want. So it's not always conducive to a second opinion, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. which has caused Brittany and I a lot of trouble early on in our relationship, you know, until we established boundaries of what was okay and what's not okay. Um, but my first marriage really restricted me. And I know this doesn't have much to do with parenting, but uh, restricted me. And I felt like I couldn't be myself. So my pendulum in the beginning of mine and Brittany's relationship swung the opposite way. Like, you're not going to tell me what the fuck to do. I'm not asking permission. I'm telling you, which is the wrong approach. But, you know, that's how I felt. Yeah. So I don't know how the where did that come from? Sometimes it just. <laughs> sometimes it just comes sometimes out sometimes you dude. just gotta talk it out and, yeah. and you're like how the hell did I get that and it, it'll we're talking man. about parenting oh and views of women yeah and how I yeah with my mom and stuff and how I could with Aubrey like all of my my relationship with Aubrey just started blossoming and too when I started healing my relationship with my mom so it's like your mother is the creator like earth if you treat them properly and develop a healthy relationship you develop that healthy relationship with the feminine energy you know, and uh, I lack that. I was a toxic, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say it's not a real thing, but it is. When anything's out of balance, it becomes toxic for your life. And it's, it became a little bit of a cliche thing to say. Masculinity itself is not toxic. It's essential and part of the yin and yang, like yeah. we talked about last episode. But uh, it becomes toxic when you're too rigid and not free-flowing enough and you get out of balance. Yep. Yeah. So. It's really helped me heal that that feminine within myself. I started coloring, like just dude. That's one of my favorite activities, dude. I like to use fine tip gel pens. Do you and okay. do like um, the like the psychedelic animals that have all the fractal patterns within the outline of yeah. the dude. I it. It's so therapeutic for me. I just sit there and listen to Nako and man color with my fine tip pens. Man, I love that shit. I'm not creative enough to draw, but I color the shit out of your picture. Dude, coloring is so much fun. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while, but it, I'm, I like the crayons. Yeah? Crayons. Crayon are, guy? Yeah, What do you prefer to color thing. with? I like colored pencils, I think. Yeah. CPs. They can blend. You know, any of that kind of graphite yeah. or using just pencils in general that you can blend. Yeah. I really like the gel pens. They, I don't know. It's something soothing too to see the like the gel. You barely have to press, and the gel just uh-huh. like rolls out of it. Let's go. Cool. There's paint a, line. There's yeah, an yeah. artist uh-huh. I saw on Facebook who does hyper realistic drawings all with the blue ballpoint pens. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. Wow. There's I, a, I would love to be that talented to do the different shading that he does, and to do hyper realistic photos. I mean, it looks like a fucking actual photograph taken right. of somebody. And he did it with a pen. Is that the the Osbergers dude? I don't know. I didn't like. It was just a video collection of some yeah. of his pieces. It wasn't like an article about. Are they them, like so. big canvases? Yeah. 
Dude, I think I think I know what you're talking about. There's he has Aspergers, and they took him up. I watched a show. They took him up in a helicopter over the city, and they flew him around one time. I think and I've he went back and well. drew the whole fucking city, like yeah. two scale and everything, with a ballpoint pen. Yeah. Dude, it was unfucking believable. It took him like I I don't know. I'm not even gonna make up a time because I would be bullshitting. But it it took him <laughs> it a long forever. time. Yeah. You know, but it was like to the scale. Like they would measure the heights of the building and then compare like footage to the inch. Dude, what was all that on a scale, dude? Uh, I, I don't know, man. I seen it's it been a while ago, but it, dude, it's like the shit that people can do. Yeah, and, amazing, and that man. Humans are capable. That's how he makes a living now. People commission him to do artwork, really, like, to do wow. portraits. Wow, that would be incredible. But not only was he that good of an artist, but to draw to scale, yeah, a fucking city layout, the mathematics that have to go with the. Yeah, photographic memory. Yeah, dude, that's that's like super computing. Yeah. Fucking cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think we hit, hit all the topics, huh? I don't know, but at some point, right, when we get a lot more followers, I've decided that I want to have, even if it's a side story. Episode, we already have them. To manifest, you got to feel like you already have them. They're listening. No, I know that they're coming. Though, we just don't. We just don't see their number stat, but they're listening. There you go. And when we see their number stat, <laughs> I want to have a fucking episode where I can teach people proper restaurant etiquette. I want to do that. It's going to be more of a venting session. <laughs> oh. 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 Here but comes the devil's be, advocate. It's also yeah. going to be an educational session. Hey, okay. bro, let it go. Proper let restaurant go. etiquette. No, because okay. there are people out there. Who Bro, you get out of the restaurant industry. I don't care. <laughs> so this is your like was, soapbox moment. Like it was still fucking such might drop a big out part of my life. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to do it. <laughs> Have the platform now. So once it can, it might be the thing that gets us out there because it'll piss a lot of people off. But it'll probably piss me off. It probably will. Like no, motherfucker, I'm paying you. You you listen to how I say. It's it's gonna <laughs> piss a lot of people off. Yeah. But I want to do it. <laughs> what's the number one thing let's give them a preview what would you say i don't really have a number one oh what the different. fuck bro you're unprepared it's different for different you know right now i'm in a different so pick one restaurant style than pick i was one. before right now pick one being at sonic pick one right and being winter the number one thing right now is these motherfuckers who will order through the app and then they pull into a stall and at five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning when we open, I know they don't realize this. That's why I want to educate. Like, right? It won't yeah. necessarily just be yelling. But so if they don't know, why are they motherfuckers? Because I, for the sake of that, yeah. In the, in the moment of that frustration, <laughs> they just are. After the fact, when you have time to realize, I shouldn't be this upset. I'm the motherfucker, actually. But at, you know, six fifteen in the morning, it's ten degrees outside. It's raining. You ordered on the app, and we have a drive-through. Why are you making me walk outside to deliver you one drink? They're and thirsty. Get, and get they paid for it. Yeah. But you can just go through the drive-thru. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying. So, and that's why I said it's not necessarily just going to be a yelling at people thing. It's an education thing, too. Like You don't have to do that. Like Just through the proper wanting to be compassionate to another person, like you realize that this window allows me to still stay inside and hand you your food and drink. You don't have to... I wouldn't know that inside at all. I know that's why I said some of it's just education, right? Yeah. Other parts you of it. You sound pretty hostile towards. Other parts of it. Would it's be like, hey, man, I didn't know. <laughs> other parts would be Bring hostile. Me my drink, people bitch. do know. <laughs> Take my money. And that's that. You know, when you're busy, right. right? This is the biggest thing in any restaurant business. When they're busy, and you 
have the audacity to look at somebody and say, how hard is your fucking job? Go work in the restaurant business, you fucking asshole. That's how right. hard it can be when you're busy. If it's slow, yeah, I can kind of understand where you come from. It just means they're back fucking off. Right. I've worked in plenty of restaurants where people are back there enjoying the downtime, too. Oh, yeah. But when it's busy, That's any somebody job. for yeah, any job, but when somebody forgets to put up a sauce or something in a bag or, you know, there's something was wrong on your ticket when a waitress has 15 tables because there were two call offs and, you know, yeah. she's got a lot more on her plate than she should have. Whatever the case may be, if something's wrong, there is no fucking reason for you to come up and call anybody names, start swearing throwing your food yeah that's fucking any number of things that you can go on youtube and see people doing i literally watched a video as a training video at sonic of a guy who got the wrong tacos from taco bell came back inside and you guys remember where you could drop the coin at taco bell in the water trying <laughs> to get the free taco oh man <laughs> this motherfucker pushed that thing off and shattered it all over the place pushed both registers off the fucking tv was flipping off all the cameras and was breaking shit. Wow. Like, over some fucking tacos? <laughs> now, that's an extreme. Especially Taco Bell, bro. Come on. That shit isn't even that good. That's an extreme. But there are still people who will look at you and tell you you're fucking stupid because you put the wrong sauce on something. And when it's slammed back there and you have, you know, 20 checks hanging in your window and you got a chef yelling at you, you already feel the pressure of getting food out on time because everybody who works any kind of job, unless you're unless you have no drive you want to move up you want to do good you want to continue to be successful and even if you don't want no, to move up no driver you're happy yeah well and that's what i'm saying even if you're happy in your current position and you don't want to move up you still want to do a good job yeah, yeah. most that people was, that's want what to makes do you a happy. good job yeah yeah so they're not doing this intentionally yeah. and it's not that their job's not difficult any restaurant position requires you to be able to multitask to an amazing degree. Yeah. And some of these people are extremely capable and could walk circles around you in your job yeah. when you sit at a cubicle. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can't draw those comparisons. It's all different. Right. So it would just be a mindset thing. But I, I literally would go through like a list of 30 things. Yeah. But those are the two biggest ones. Is people, it's not the fucking end of the world. We've had this conversation. I've said this before already. It's just food. If you don't like your service at a restaurant, go get it somewhere else. Right. I promise you, you can go get a burger from McDonald's. It's going to taste just as good as the one from Sonic. And guess what? If you don't like it the way McDonald's That's does it, you prefer Sonic's. If you tell them what you want on the burger over there, they're going to put it on there. Right. It's a little secret, right? Like people will you can make <laughs> your burger the way you want it pretty right. much at every restaurant. Right. So just tell them to leave off the things you don't like and go get it somewhere else. You don't have to come back and be an asshole. Right, and it's a mutual thing. I can tell you I have the right to refuse service to anybody, and I've exercised that right several yeah. times. Yeah. So continue to treat my staff the way you treat them. You're not going to come back here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you should be able to do that for sure. Well, some people I are, can and have. Yeah, some people are just dicks, but you know, I would say that's more of an entitlement thing on their, yeah. on their part. You know, Maybe, or they just had a bad day. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. like Chad said, some yeah. people just don't know. That's why I said it wouldn't all be a venting thing. Some of it would be to educate people because there are some people who have never worked in the restaurant business and they just don't know the proper way to handle things. Let me ask you this. Do, like, if you get handed food back to be remade if the order is wrong, do you automatically, like, fuck this guy? No. No? Mm -mm. Do you think your staff does? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I used to do it. (laughs) Right. There's been times in my life where I was like, this dude's fucking lying. But no, there are. Uh, now I've caught to the point where 
I just accepted it. I mean, right. if you screwed up, you screwed up. Just fix it. Right. And if you're willing to fix it and you handle it the right way, most people are going to be okay with it. Yeah, you they'll know, those, be happy. Those rare instances of people going off. Right. Like, that's not an everyday thing. Or even if it is every day, it's not a consistent every time you fuck up thing. It's a rare occasion where somebody's going to flip out at you. Yeah. So I've accepted it at this point. And it's part of my job as a manager to just keep the customers happy. The customers are always right. And even in the back of my mind at this point, it's just it's not worth it. It's right. not worth worrying about whether or not everything was actually cold or everything was fucked up or whatever the case may be. Right. But there are definitely times. And there are plenty of these motherfuckers out there, too. And these people do. More motherfuckers. These people do piss me off. And I, there are documentaries about this on TV. Like, they've literally done this. There are people who will carry fingernails, hair, insects, and a <laughs> fucking plastic bag in their purse. And they'll put stuff like that just to get free food. Or yeah. there are people where, as a manager, I'm bagging and I'm running the expo. And I'm putting things in bags. And I know for a fact I put your fucking french fries in that bag because we're not that busy. Right. And you told me I forgot them. Why? Because you wanted extra french fries? They're a fucking dollar. <laughs> if you can't afford them, you probably shouldn't be spending food or spending money eating out at an expensive restaurant instead of you know going and buying your groceries and cooking at home. Right. Utilizing more of your money. That's just poor budgeting on your part. Yeah. Go home and fucking sit down and figure out your budget. So that kind of stuff does irritate me still. And mostly because you've, I've seen people do it. Like I've literally watched somebody reach into their purse, pull out a bag full of hair, and put hair into an item on their plate. That's fucking weird. Why wouldn't you just pull one out of your head? Because it's a fucking steakhouse where it's like eighty dollars, and they're like, I don't want anybody to see me doing this, and you know they think they're gonna get away with something and get a comp meal. What the fuck? So yeah, when you're serving somebody flaming yawn, and you know they want a second one for free, they'll take. Two or three bites. Do they get it for half. free? Yeah. All right, I need a bag of hair. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a fucked up bar. Is that that's how people will look at it? There's going to be. There are professional be manipulators that will do this for a living. But I, yeah. I mean, better the corporation than me. Yeah, you know, feed, feed the little man, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I understand I'm that just, mindset. I'm, I'm just playing, dude. I don't do that. But you're doing that to people who aren't the corporation. Right. You're doing that to the employees and putting them out for it. So do employees have to pay for that shit? No, but they have to remake mm-hmm. it. And when they're in the middle of dinner rush and you've got all oh, these fucking... And they, right. And you're dealing with that kind of stuff. It throws everything off. Right. The, flow the reason that kitchens can be efficient and work is because there's a chemistry and an ebb and flow in a kitchen. Yeah. And when you do something like that to fuck it up that's on you like yeah. and especially if that's the way you're doing it if it's not a genuine complaint and Who's some of y'all one? motherfuckers need to just learn how to temp your steaks <laughs> what does food, that mean food network i don't, I don't know what that all means. these chef <laughs> shows what's temp your steak have fucked so many restaurants yeah you are not a chef or you would be the one back in the kitchen i know what a medium steak looks like you telling me what a medium steak looked like. That, that's not how it works. Yeah. You ordered medium. If I come out and tell you it's medium, then you didn't want medium. You wanted medium rare or you wanted medium well. Right. But don't sit there and argue with me over what temp your steak is. Right. I'm the one who's educated in it. I went to school. I know what it looks like. And you've got the thermometer. Just, yeah. Just admit. <laughs> just admit. Okay, you know what? You're right. That probably is medium. Then this is how I actually like it. Right. Don't, don't sit there and try to argue with me over right. it. I've had people do that. People are people are embarrassed to admit they're wrong, man. Yeah. It's ego. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that in my younger culinary career, I probably would have argued 
the reverse direction. And even if I was wrong, like, no, I think you would have argued no matter what. I mean, maybe <laughs> I wouldn't now though. Like I said, I've admitted being wrong plenty of times. Uh, but, but there are still people who I'll walk out and like that steak is so clearly medium or medium rare. And they're yeah. like, no, it should look like this. Do they ever get their phone out? Like show you a picture? Like, no, I, I told I mean, you. I do <laughs> and I think that that's probably wise because they know they're wrong. Like you said, and or, they, it's their preference that would be medium rare, but they've seen other people on TV call it medium. And so that's the mind, you know, that's the yeah, image the that reference. they have in their mind is that that's what it should look like. But no, that's not what it should look like. Some fucking idiot on a TV show or a movie called chef, you know, said that this is how it should look. Yeah. And that's not, not that that movie had anything wrong in it. It's just anything down that channel on any kind of entertainment has given people this entitlement to know what they're talking about. Right. Even though they've never experienced yeah. it. Even though they've never had to cook Even it outside themselves. of the food spectrum, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens in every... Yeah, like you said, every industry. It's not just food. People are backseat drivers or, you know, armchair it's, experts. It's what we do best, dude. Yeah. It's what we do best. We're sitting here doing it now, talking about how we were parented and, and how we are parenting. But we didn't tell people how, how to do it. Life. We just told people how we do it and what we think is right. This is our experience. That's true. We're still kind of doing it. I, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but we're not arguing for the sake of this is how it should be. <laughs> You can church it up any way you want, Dirt. Man, this has been a fun one. Really gets me hyped talking about parenting. Generational trauma. That was a good one. Yeah. I, did, I don't think I gave my two cents on that one. That's a, that's a big thing with parenting um, that I've learned with Aubrey is um, paying attention to what she's going through and how it relates to my life when I was her age. Like even in the same, like, where was I at at her age? So I can get a good indicator of where she's at because I mean, after all, she's half me, you know? So, um, looking at the generational things, like what did I experience? Was I, and I was going through a chubby stage where people called me Buddha and Bobby Hill and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, holy shit, I can totally relate. And it was like generational trauma stuff that is unhealed that, gets passed on because I never healed that part. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it existed, but when she went through it generationally, I'm like, Oh shit, I went through that too. So consciously her and I can go through that together. So when she has children, they may, they may not experience that. Right. You know, it's not in their path because that, that part of the lineage is healed. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. So to be aware of within yourself and how that reflects into your children and, um, it's been really beautiful and uh, seeing how Aubrey's relationship with her mom has blossomed because her mom's mom left when she was around the age that Aubrey started struggling. So like all these things were so relevant at our time when we were 12, 11 and 12 in our life, huge moments that impacted our genetic makeup basically was imprinted on her. So she's going through hell at that same age, man. Mm. It's pretty cool. So yeah, man. just being aware, being aware, being conscious yep. and guiding and not dictating. Yep. Episode 18, conscious parenting, Eric, Jeremy, Chad. It's a wrap. Thank you guys so much for listening. <sighs> we appreciate it. Let us know your feedback. We love you guys. And, um, 
Thank you for joining us at the round table. Peace. Uh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.